what, you're expecting a cold open? We're talking about American Sailor Moon. There's nothing, like, funnier than that. Hi, I'm a drugged out Persian cat just dripping in crystals, Ashley. And I'm going into this very blindly, Sid. And this is Ranger Slain, where Sid, a lifelong Power Rangers fan, takes me, reluctant new fan Ashley, through the world of Power Rangers and Power Rangers accessories. And, uh, oh, we are really in for an accessory today for this special Valentine's Day mini-sode. Uh, so as Sid announced in the previous episode, we are talking about the long-lost but recently found American Sailor Moon pilot. Uh, <laughs> uh, which is certainly a fucking trip. Um, so one of the things we kind of talked about, because it's a a little different, we want to kind of a a little different here, is, uh, I hadn't watched it yet when it came out, and I was like, hey, do you just want me to go into this blind and do a blind watch? (gasps) Oh, so I'm so excited about this. So (laughs) what we're going to do with this particular episode is, um, so I'm going to explain the history of why this thing exists, and then we're going to have a little pause in the episode where if you're listening to this on our regular feed, we are going to just sort of jump to have Sid watch it and then come back when Sid's done. But if you're listening to this on our Patreon, uh, we are going to have a special commentary track of Sid's reactions. (laughs) (laughs) I am so excited for this. Okay. uh, So you just want me to jump in and explain the history of this um, insanity? Yeah, go, go do it. Okay. Uh, so way back in the past times of 1993, <laughs> um, <laughs> so basically Sailor Moon is doing gangbusters in Japan, and at the time, um, Frank Ward of Renaissance Film Atlantic, or Renaissance Atlantic, and yeah, well, Frank Ward of Fra- uh, Renaissance Atlantic, uh is like, hey, I think Sailor Moon would do really well over here. But at the time, the anime market in the U.S. was, um, how do you say, it? really niche. It was super niche. Yeah, like, I I think, it's like, in a lot of the coverage I'm pulling, like, a lot of the coverage I'm pulling this from specifically, um, which, by the way, I'll cite my sources here, the Kotaku article by Cecilia Anastasio, written in 2018, uh, as well as the Raymona documentary, two-part documentary she did. Um, so those are going to be my two main sources here uh, with the information that they pulled. But basically for <laughs> 1993, they, they a lot of sources try to make it seem like anime didn't exist in the U.S. at the time. It it did, but it was just, again, a very, very niche market. It was, and, uh, <laughs> it really did not explode, I feel like, until Toonami was a thing. Mm-hmm. Other than that, yeah, it was like super niche. Like you had to go to specialty hobby stores, and yeah, you kind of had to know where to look. And like Blockbuster would have like a very tiny section. I think yeah. like the biggest thing at that time may have been um, Akira. Yeah, that's, that absolutely tracks. It's like I'm trying to remember if like Project Aco had already been brought over to the states at that point. But again, that was like on Sci-Fi, not like. Mm-hmm. released in movie theaters considered a monumental like 
and also like also considering the fact that a lot there were anime that brought were brought over in like you know going back to the 60s and 70s but they were really heavily edited and very localized so that's how you yeah. get like your speed racers um your g-forces samurai um, pizza cats samurai pizza cats uh voltron <laughs> but anyway so frank ward when he see like he's his idea was hey i think sailor moon would do really well in the united states and i think it could you know it, anime could be bigger in the united states but didn't think that like sailor moon as it was would really sell and i think toei had concerns about that too so he got the rights from Toei to specifically adapt Sailor Moon into an Americanized pilot, like basically an Americanized TV show. And they only had, oh, it was like $200,000 or so. Um, I cannot, I should have written down, the, uh, written down the explicit number, but it was not a lot of money, basically, to do a proof of concept pilot. And it also sounds like, they got the rights to do this for several other, like, Toei properties, mm-hmm. but just have not seen the light of day. Like, Ramona, uh, who found the pilot, uh, she also found a, um, a, like, f- like, unknown intro for, like, a Saint Seiya, an Americanized Saint Seiya called Guardians of the Cosmos. Mm-hmm. While she was trying to find a live-action American Saint Seiya pilot called Starstorm <laughs> by by Renaissance Atlantic. Um but so it sounds like they had multiple of these properties that they were working on. We just only have really known about Sailor Moon. So, but going back to our main topic here. So, in 1993, Frank Ward gets the rights from Toei to do an Americanized Sailor Moon pilot and he hires producers Rocky Solitov and Steven Wilsbach who are animate like classic animators who have worked on several projects like The Iron Giant. I believe they also did some Disney work. Uh, Steven actually, unfortunately, passed away, I believe, late last year. But Rocky is still with us. Okay. But anyway, so they were um, so they were heading up and like to do this American Sailor Moon pilot. And the idea was that they were going to do it as a hybrid production. So all of the scenes where the girls are, you know, just being girls and going to school and all that was going to be live action, like, you know, like Power Rangers, because, again, this was 1993. Power Rangers was really big at the time. Yeah. <laughs> so they wanted to replicate the success of Power Rangers. So there were going to be these live action sequences with the girls and they were going to be like kind of the, you know, the 90s version of diversity of like, we have one of every um, <laughs> every one of them or, you know. Including a disabled person. Yes, who the actress was not actually disabled, but... That that happened a lot back then. (laughs) Yeah. So, um... So it's like, we have one of everyone. Contrary to popular belief about Jordy, LeVar Burton is not blind. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so they have, um... So that was, like, they wanted to do, like, a diverse cast. That was, like, required. Uh, so those were going to be live action sequences. And then whenever it came to the girls, like, you know, doing their moon tiara magic, uh, moon prism power makeup, they would suddenly turn animated. And all of those sequences, all the battle sequences would be animated. <laughs> oh, my goodness. But the thing is, they're not pulling animation from the original Sailor Moon. Like, oh, no, they're not doing that. No, they animated these full sequences and we're told, oh, make it like He-Man and She-Ra. 
Which, oh my god. It's like, is, okay, so <laughs> it's the fact that Frank Ward believes, like, oh, Sailor Moon could sell really well in the US, but like only what's the concept of Sailor Moon, not anything else involving Sailor Moon. <laughs> um, so anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Well, this, this sounds like thing. more work, like dubbing. There is work to dubbing, don't get me wrong, but like you're having to ha- animate everything again, too. Like. Yeah, so I mean, this is kind of its downfall in the end, but we'll get there. Um, so basically, since this was a proof of concept pilot and not a lot of money was being thrown around, a lot of people who worked on the animation were doing this freelance. Oh no, um, including Dan Povenmire and Swampy Marsh. <laughs> <laughs> like two these are two iconic animators who worked on Rocco's Modern Life and are the creators of Phineas and Ferb. So like there's an early like oh, you know, back when we were getting our start in animation. <laughs> we did this dumb pilot. Yeah, like which happens a lot. Like you see a lot of animators who just become hired guns on like particular like projects and he, like I said they did this in their free time. <laughs> because like this was not really done by like any particular studio oh besides Renaissance Atlantic. So they filmed the pilot and it's uh it had a l- bunch of like young actresses including Stephanie Dicker who was on uh I believe General Hospital and Tammy Adrian George who was in um Starship Troopers. Oh Adrian Barbeau, a uh, voice actress who played Catwoman on Batman the Animated Series and was the original um, Rizzo on Broadway of from Greece. Uh, she was also in Maud, uh, played Queen Serenity and Queen Beryl. And then Mel- uh, Melindy Britt, she was also She-Ra, was the voice of Luna the Cat. And there was a voice actress who worked on uh, Gem and the Holograms that was also involved in it somehow, but I... They don't really say. Um, okay. So she might have been replaced at a later point. But anyway, this was dubbed Project Y, I should note. Anyway. Project um, Y, indeed. Yeah. So they filmed the pilot. Apparently, the cat. Well, I'll tell you about the cat when we're recording. <laughs> <laughs> so they filmed with a cat, like a live cat oh, to no. be Luna on the set. And the, you know, pilot goes like a pilot do. And they take it to Toy Fair and they're pitching it around. And apparently, like, you know, people were really interested in it. And they were pitching, like, they were planning to pitch, like, an entire line of toys, too. Like, there were things developed for the pilot that weren't developed for anything else. Like, the idea was that, you know, you see these in the, like, in the TV show and then they would be there on the toy shelves. Saban was apparently very interested in picking it up. Of course. So, and also, <laughs> I'll just I'll just address the misnomer here. While it is called, well, while the nickname of this is called Saban Moon, Saban was not actually involved in the production. It was all Renaissance Atlantic who were they had been involved with Saban previously on other properties, including Power Rangers. Mm-hmm. But this was all Renaissance Atlantic. I think it just sort of just got stuck with the name Saban Moon. Because this is a very Saban idea. <laughs> and not only that, just sounds better, but also, you know, there is, I guess, a little truth because he was very interested in, in buying it. Like, oh. Yeah. So they had pitched this around. Sorry. Okay. Sorry. The Jim and the Holograms actress was Patricia Patricia Alice Albrecht, who played Pizzazz. Okay. Um, and then I guess I'll tell the story about the cat here is that apparently they had to drug the cat that was playing Luna 
because again, it's a cat and you can't always get them to do what you want, especially as an animal trainer. And apparently, so when they drugged up the cat, she just peed on everything. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, but anyway, so they pitched this around. Um, you know, Fox was interested in it. Um, Saban was interested in it. And like, so it sounded like it was very possibility it was going to go to Fox Kids. But then Toei comes back and goes, oh, we actually sold the dubbing rights to Deke. <laughs> And that's cheaper, so buy. <laughs> <laughs> and it's true. It's it's cheaper than doing all this shit. Yeah, so project gets scrapped. Uh so Frank Ward moves on from it. Uh later we'll try to pitch it again, unspinotes to most people in nineteen ninety-eight, under the name Team Angel. <laughs> we'll get there. That one also fails, obviously, because nobody knew about it until 2018. <laughs> and then, so for the longest time, this pilot is just not really known about by most people until an animator who worked on it, who specifically worked on some of the 3D modeling sequences. Okay, sorry, I'm also on the Wikipedia page. It was $2,800,000. That is how much they had to do this pilot. Still not a lot of money. <laughs> That, oh well, let's let's let, let's adjust for inflation. Yeah, <laughs> it's uh fifty uh five hundred seventy five uh thousand a hundred and eight. So it's like adjusted for inflation. Yeah, adjusted for inflation. So it, you know you're you're still not looking at a million dollar budget, but almost a million. Yeah. So, but yeah, what happens is, is that this probably would have gone pretty unknown amongst Sailor Moon fans until about. During the late 90s, somebody at the 1995 Anime Expo, somebody who worked on the 3D, like, effects in this, mm -hmm. brought it to Anime Expo to kind of to show on a panel as part of his reel. And somebody got a, like, a couple of people got a really grainy 1995, like, camcorder video. Okay. So, like, for a while, people knew, like, it was kind of known about, but, like, kind of taken as a joke and kind of taken as myth. And then um, in about 2012, the script, the pilot script and cells were uncovered in Los Angeles when producer Raymond Ikovachi's storage unit was basically opened after uh, non-payment. Okay. And so, sometimes. and those, of course, these cells and the script hit eBay and sellers are like, oh, what the hell is this? <laughs> and since the video was still circulating... Uh, so people started looking for it in earnest, and it takes several years, because apparently, like, people were calling up Rocky Solotov for uh, his company Tune Makers, who worked on the animation, were calling him up, asking if he had a copy of the pilot. He didn't. And so people had tried to find it, including Cecilia D'Estacio for Kotaku. Uh, she was unable to find it, found Team Angel instead, because <laughs> she talked to Frank Ward. And he's like, oh, yeah, this is the American Sailor Moon pilot. She's like, this is not the American Sailor Moon pilot. And then Ramona goes searching for it, uh, basically based off of those clues, talking to Rocky Solotov, Steve Wilsbach, and she even talked to Raymond, too, and he apparently he was a trip. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then she finds it in the most unlikely place, the Library of Congress. <laughs> But since she was in contact with Cecilia and Cecilia was in contact with Frank Ward, they were able to get uh, him to sign off on, because since he was the copyright holder and submitted it to the Library of Congress, uh, they were able to get him to sign off to uh, have the library send her a copy. 
And apparently the library worker who pulled it was like a, a huge anime fan. And he's like, uh, what? This was here the whole time? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that's the brief history and a little bit tired ex- explanation because we are recording this at 11 o'clock at night <laughs> <laughs> explanation of the american sailor moon pilot it is trippy as fuck and the history of it is even wilder so <laughs> uh sid are are you ready are I- are, are you ready <laughs> I think I'm ready. Blackjack's in here and he's ready, so... Okay, so... Alright, well, let's crack in. If and if you are listening this to our regular feed, we're gonna kind of pause here and then uh, we're gonna come back and after we have finished watching. And uh, if you're on Patreon, you can listen to our commentary there. Otherwise, uh, we will see you in a bit. Alright. Yeah, we're back. <laughs> yeah, so um, I thought Team Angel was kind of the weirder thing, honestly. Yeah, okay. So, like, the whole backstory began. Nobody knew Team Angel existed until about five years ago. Yeah. And so, like, because apparently, like, Frank Ward, like, because he doesn't remember, he didn't really remember doing the first pilot. Oh, my goodness. So when um, Kotaku was like, hey do you have the pilot he's like oh yeah i have the pilot and then it came up and produced this yeah oh okay he wasn't certain 100 percent certain if it was the pilot but like he was like no this is the american sailor moon what are you talking about uh, uh, i actually found i'm like wow the american sailor moon was i don't know i i feel like um uh, when some people talk to me about it, it's like, oh, it's so terrible. I'm like, it looks like a kid show in the 90s that actually I think would maybe do one or two seasons. Yeah, like, that's the thing. I'm like, it's not. Yeah, it's goofy. It's like, it's Power Rangers goofy. Yeah. Um, But like, yeah, it's like, I feel like if they had, you know, gone to full pilot and like actually had a decent, like had an animation team that was like paid in full, it probably would have yeah. looked way better. Yeah, like an actual like animation team instead of like, we'll just hire random freelancers. Uh, they can, can communicate to each other uh, through uh, through letter writing because this was 1993. <laughs> yeah. Letter phone calls, you know, and uh but yeah no that was actually like wow that actually was way more interesting than i thought it would be i thought it would be like a fucking disaster i'm like oh no that would actually made a very interesting kid show in the 90s yeah i mean that was kind of the main question i want to ask is like watching that do you think that could have succeeded in the united states um considering the success of like big bad beetleborgs and stuff mm-hmm. probably i actually yeah. I I definitely think that people would be cheap and like if they ran out of like something they'd be like well we're not doing it anymore. But yeah, uh, yeah. Like, but over overall, I'm thinking like maybe one or two, even three seasons of 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 that show, it would have actually been pretty popular. Now, Team Angel when it was released, it probably would have tanked immediately. Yeah, because like Team Angel, like that, that one was being pitched around '98, so like at this point. Like, it's shifted away from Power Rangers so much, but this is when you have shows like Buffy. I think Charmed was already running on WB at this point. Mm-hmm. Hercules, Xena. 
Um, I, I think there's a, a couple of other like syndicated television fantasy shows. Yeah. That that was like similar to and like kind of would have been around the time of Mystic Knights because I think I talked about this in the Mystic Knights episode where like the, the time that that was airing was around the time you start getting like, you know, Hercules and Xena. Yeah. So like that's that's the kind of market that's trying to enter into it. Oh, my God. It is just <laughs> it's no Mystic Knights. <laughs> it's no Mystic Knights. Like I'm just like. I can kind of see where he's like, oh, yeah, we're just going to try Sailor Moon here. And it's like, it's it's kind of Sailor Moon. Uh, it's like, I, I guess. Uh, I guess. I mean, they, they they change into, like, weird outfits and, like, with nails and stuff. It's it's enough like, of the serial numbers filed off. Yeah, it's it's definitely, yeah, it's definitely Sailor Moon with the serial numbers filed off. And I, like, I don't know if they technically would have had to have, like, gotten the rights from Toei on that. I think, um, uh, I think because of how much it was filed off, no. Yeah. Yeah. Um. <laughs> that yeah, that one just, was the weirder one, honestly. Yeah, it's just also just, like, the whole thing, though, is just really funny that Toei's like, yeah, sure, this seems like a fine idea. It works with Power Rangers, but, like, again, it's more expensive to just overhaul the whole thing from the top. Because yeah. the reason that Power Rangers was so cheap to produce is because they already had footage. Yeah, that's what really gets me is, like, it probably would have gone somewhere if they didn't insist on having original animation. Yeah, like, that's the weird part of it all. And even if they did it filmation style as cheap as possible, like, it still would have probably been way more expensive to to produce than just, you know, cutting in clips from, like, Sailor yeah. Moon, the anime. Yeah, it's like you just you just do the as what kind of tanked the pilot was, uh, you know, Toei's like, oh, we sub sold the dubbing rights, and that's way cheaper. Yeah, and the funny thing is, is that you could still see in the early like promotions for the Sailor Moon like dub the kind of like resonant like the little like leftovers from the American pilot. Yeah. Because there's a lot of speculation that, and this has kind of been confirmed, because the only character you actually hear named in the pilot is Sailor Moon, a.k.a. Victoria. Yeah. But, like, you know, they had names for them, like, Victoria, Dana, Blue. But, like, that was, like, the first, like, pitch that uh, Deke sent out, where they gave them those names before they settled on, obviously, like, Amy, Ray. Lita. Uh, Lita. Mina. Was it Mina? I think it was Mina. And Mina and obviously Serena. Serena. Yeah. And Molly. Let's not forget Naru was Molly. <laughs> right. From, from from Brooklyn or Boston. <laughs> yeah, like the, the shorthand of trying to like say this person has an Osaka accent. Oh man. Um but yeah, so like you'd see that and then obviously like I mentioned um I mentioned this when we were doing the commentary. So uh, since they used pro- they made prototype type toys for the pilot and then kind of just ended up scrapping a lot of it. There but there's still some stuff that kind of escaped that design stage and made it into the the toy line that was released in the 90s. Uh one of them being the moon cycle. <laughs> yeah, you got to have a motorcycle for the kids. Right, and then, um, I like I said, I have, like, this little, like, jewelry box thing that has, like, the ring that, like, inserts into it, so I wonder if there was, like, they had this plan to have, like, 
have all of like the the like the crystals of power or whatever like have be in like these little insertable things yeah so like because you see in the pilot like victoria puts the ring inside of her compact and then that's what allows her to like transform yeah so yeah i that's like so i wonder like i think that might have just been like a leftover like that particular design might have been a leftover from that idea mm-hmm. and then obviously like the logo that they use in this pilot is the logo that deke ended up using <laughs> yeah <laughs> um so yeah i think it's just yeah it's a weird sort of thing and it's like if this had succeeded it would have made a anime in the united states very interesting for a time period oh yeah like, I have no doubt the original Sailor Moon would have eventually made it over if this succeeded, but it would have taken way longer, I think. Oh, yeah, and, and probably you wouldn't have had the let the Deke dub to carry over into Tsunami. Weird mm-hmm. fact, I, my, one of my uh, affiliates actually did buy at least one or two episodes of Sailor Moon and okay. put it on their morning block. Because I actually very much remembered as a child watching this show. It was like the beginning of Sailor Moon R was the episode. Right. And I'm like, this is so fucking cool. And then I would tune in the next next Saturday morning. I tried to tune in. It wasn't there anymore. And I'm like, where is this? And all of a sudden USA aired it. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah. And that was the thing is that it was kind of like initially a flop in the United States. But like a lot of like Sailor Moon fans campaigned and got it re-aired and I think it really picked up from there especially when it was on Toonami. Yeah, oh, having that like dedicated spot in Toonami really made it take off. But yeah, I just thought it like I didn't make this up and it's like my sister watched it too so it's like obviously I didn't make this up. There was this show called Sailor Moon and had like yeah. transforming, you know, girls and stuff in it, like Power Rangers and then let me all one day in the USA Network. Oh my god, it was that show I watched. Yeah, so like, and the thing is, is like, it's that not that like the even the original anime is not that different from Power Rangers. So I don't get why they were just like why their initial idea is like this is too like this is too weird to translate. So we need yeah. to like make it like Americanized and like have Americanized animation and all American like diverse children. Yeah, and like videotapes of anime were already popping up in like blockbuster and video stores in general so it was just kind of mm-hmm. like it was a really weird thing so but yeah it'd be a, it'd be a very i i do think it would have survived but it would, it definitely would have changed at least how sewer moon was perceived over here so yeah and like as i mentioned earlier with what ramona talked to rocky solitov about is that they clearly were trying to do this with more anime like we know of the Saint Seiya attempts. It's just um, that is a very interesting thing about Saint Seiya is the one magical boy, magical armor boy show that came over here was actually uh, Samurai Troopers or Ronin Warriors. But like mm-hmm. Saint Seiya is this huge hit, not only in Japan, just worldwide. That's why there's like five million covers for, in different languages of Pegasus fantasy. Including, I think, one on, like, a singing competition show. Yeah, because I think... Uh, Raymonda talked about that a little bit in her videos, especially in, like, Latin America. Oh, yeah. Like, Saint Seiya is huge. Oh, it's um, super huge. They have a TNA ring. 
And so I, that's what I joke about whenever I watch things today. It's like, oh, look, it's TNA. Yeah, if she ever finds the Starstorm pilot, I or anybody finds the Starstorm pilot, I would love to just go back and look at that, just being like, what the fuck? I want to make a joke that watch, like, a young, with his shitty hair, Christopher Daniels is in it. <laughs> it's like, we needed someone to be, like, a pro wrestler. Well, I'm a net wrestler and an actor. Oh, God, could you imagine? It's <laughs> like, uh, male pattern baldness. Oh, man. Bleached hair. So, <laughs> okay, uh, kind of just I'm sorry on. for that cursed image. Yeah, just, just <laughs> like young Christopher Daniels <laughs> in, like, a, in a live action Saint Seiya pilot. <laughs> I hope, I hope Apollo did not hit me with a dodgeball on that. Oh, my God. I, probably not, but, like, yeah. it would be, it would be really funny. Um, <laughs> Also, like, we talked about this, I guess I didn't mention this in the lead-up, but I mentioned it in our commentary. Uh, I love the, the the weird personality swaps are kind oh, of hilarious. Yeah. Sailor Mars is the tomboy. Yeah, Sailor Mars is the tomboy. Sailor Jupiter is the smart one, because she, cal- she makes a calculation that she's going to find the cutest boy at the dance. And, like, that, that is such a 90s line. Yeah, and then... Mercury is kind seems like she's kind of like snassy sassy and snarky. Yeah, she has more of like Ray's personality. Yeah, and then uh Venus was basically the same. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was just very amused by that. But yeah, I just uh, I Victoria I noticed there's a bit of maturity to her on like, you know, uh Usagi. <laughs> well, you know, she had to watch her like betrothed die. And only cry about it for a second. <laughs> the boat blew up. I think there were also people on that boat. Yeah, which is just so <laughs> like no shade yeah. to Stephanie Dicker, but just that her her voice acting performance there. No, <laughs> I think she was just like, look, I'm being paid like union rate. I guess. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah I think Sag. I think Sag was involved with this, but they had like very strict rules they had to follow. That's why Adrian Barbo played both. Uh, Serenity and Barrel. Okay. Because, <laughs> like, Rocky Solitov, like, Sag says I can have an actress play two roles. Jeez. <laughs> uh, uh, something I found out recently about uh, auditions is Sa- Sag, Sag can pay you out for an audition, but nobody really takes it because the casting director will blacklist you. Uh, fun facts. Ugh, hey. Ugh. Uh, I think I read that in the the memoir I just read. Oh yeah, uh, by by Will Wheaton. Yeah. All right. Anything else want to touch on about American Sailor Moon? Uh, no. I wow, that was quite a journey, and um, <laughs> I, there is some timeline where this came out. Probably the same timeline where Mystic Knights also like they were just like, no, nah, we're we're ending Power Rangers. We're just gonna do Mystic Knights. Maybe that's the better timeline. And that's that. That would be the podcast. That would be the timeline where our podcast is very different. Our t- our podcast is like about, um, I don't know. And also, Al Gore was president, so I don't know if we would have become friends. Uh, that, yeah, that's, huh? You're right. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <It's hard>. Uh, <laughs> 
So that is our mini episode about American Sailor Moon. We don't really have much of a verdict on this besides, wow. It's a- yeah, it's a little <laughs> bit of interesting uh, TV history. Yeah, it's a TV history. It's a what if, like, if this succeeded, what, if, what would anime have been like in the United States going forward? Yeah. Would this have happened to all anime that tried to come over here? Could you imagine a live action Naruto like this? Oh my god. Imagine what Discotech would be going through right now. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, anyway, yeah. uh, so thank you for joining us on this little uh, detour for Valentine's Day. We hope you had a good time. Yeah. As always, uh, we want to thank Kate Nix for our banging theme song. You can currently find Kate Nix on her site, which is katenix.com. Well, that's under construction. However, her link tree under I am Kate Nix leads you to her band camp and streaming site, katenix.tv. She has a bi-monthly show called The Lounge Tuesdays at 7pm. If you're wondering if it's an on month or an off month, you can check out her show's Instagram. It's The Lounge. You can watch, also watch older episodes on her YouTube channel, Kate Nix. She also has a personal account under Zenatac, which is just her name spelled backwards, and that's Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram. And if you want Flair and Winslow the Piano Playing Cat. Thank you, Joe Hunter, for the art. Uh, he's a comic book artist who has done backups for Radiant Black, a story in Headlock Comics, Tales from the Road, and is currently working on Beast Heart Strikers with co-creator and writer Land Pitts. You can support him on Patreon at Joe underscore Hunter and Threadless at joehunter.threadless.com. You can find him on Twitter at Joe underscore Hunter and Instagram as Joe Bloody Hunter. Thank you, as always, to Kurt Yoder for editing our podcast. And uh, we're probably going to give him a little bit of a doozy with this one. <laughs> yes. Uh, you can find him on Twitter as the Great SG or Great SG Pixels. That's on Twitter. You can also find him at Great SG Creations on Etsy and uh, Square, where he sells his perler art. It is very good perler art. You should check it out. Thank you to our $5 patron, Griffman. Thank you, as always, for your support. If you'd like to support us on Patreon, you can find us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash rangersplain. Our wrestler of the podcast is Alley Catch. We kind of decided this on the fly. I can't remember if she had been a previous wrestler of the podcast or not. Um, she used to be a cat-themed wrestler. She is not no longer that, but she used to have Sailor Moon merch. And once, like, the first time I ever saw her, I was wearing a haku from spirited away like bomber jacket which i missed that bomber jacket um she was wearing i was wearing that and she commented on it and basically made a joke about her being my new best friend i wish that was true <laughs> she did sing happy birthday to you and got everyone at sub to and that yeah that that's like wow you've made a fan for life for doing that for yeah. my best friend so i i love that marcus stunt i know you have the video put it out <laughs> <laughs> Marco Sanchez, listen to this podcast. Oh. Uh, you can find her on Twitter at Allie Catch, and that's K A T C H. Uh, her Instagram is the Allie Catch, so find her there and give her money <laughs> and support her. Um, and for me, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at, at MissKittyF. Uh, both of those sites have uh, links to my link tree where you can find my shop, which is ashley-letquill.square.site where I have masks, zines, comic books, maybe beanies soon. Um, Question mark. Question mark. And you can also find me on itch.io where you can also get digital versions of my zines. 
So you can find me at Twitter and Instagram under uh, Velociraptor. Also on Tumblr. I'm a little bit more frequently on Tumblr these days, too. Uh, and my store is Kodos Magical Crafts, where you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Kodos Crafts. And then on TikTok under Kodos Magical Crafts, I also have a Facebook page. Uh, but essentially, if you want candles, soaps, lip balms, and possibly zines in the future, question mark, go and check me out there. All right, and for Ranger Splane, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at, at Ranger Splane, and as I previously mentioned, on Patreon under Ranger Splane as well, if you'd like to support us financially. Um, you can also find us on WordPress at rangersplane.wordpress.com. Uh, that has links to all of our show notes, as well as wherever you can find us on the big wide internet. If you cannot support us uh, financially on Patreon, that's totally fine. If you are listening to us on a platform that allows you to rate and review a podcast, please give us a five-star rating so we can bust out of the algorithm and get to more people to listen to us. All right, and that is it for our special mini episode. I have to say, this was a dream come true. Like, this is, <laughs> I, I joked in the days of our, early days of our podcast that I wanted somebody to send us this pilot in the dead of night through our email and so we could watch it and review it. Thankfully, it didn't have to happen that way. It's on YouTube for everyone to enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> um, so thank you to Cecilia, to Dan Anastasio, and Ramona for your hard work in bringing this to us. And um, But yeah, that's it for this month, for February. We will catch you at the beginning of March for our pre-Shattered Grid Power Rangers comics episode. Be safe, and may the power protect you. Go Rangers.